there's an element of would it be nice if the pie chart was a little more like the songs I write take up more space on that pie chart? That is definitely the goal. That is that would be the dream. I can get tunnel vision. I can get kind of stuck. You come along and save me. Point out of this stuff. Tell me if I That's Eric Radloff a musician and teacher living in L.A. who records under the name Okudoxage. And the music you're hearing right now, you guessed it, also Okudoxage. And I'm Joel Lehman. You're listening to Connection Request. Thanks for spending some time with me today. I am so excited to have Eric on the show. He's an amazingly talented singer, songwriter, producer, teacher, and performer who's been making music his whole life. He also happens to be a good friend of mine, and I've been wanting to do a sit-down conversation like this with him forever. He first became known as the frontman for Bear Attack, a band he started with friends and classmates while studying at the University of Southern California in LA. That band developed a sizable following and even landed some of their music on the hit TV show Pretty Little Liars. And even though that project is no longer active, that doesn't stop almost 45,000 people from streaming them on Spotify every month. When Bear Attack ended, Eric started a new project called Okudoxage. We'll explain the name near the end of the episode. Pitchfork has hailed his new project as joyfully capturing the oddities of life in a way that's genuinely sentimental, which feels right to me. His third Okudoxage record came out last year, and he predicts his fourth might come out before the end of 2023. If that's not excitement enough, he has another project that is coming out on the same day this episode is being released. He and his wife, Jenna, are expecting their first child. I'm thinking of you both today, Eric and Jenna. In our conversation, we talk about how parenthood may recontextualize his career, how he thinks about success as an indie musician, what going on his first national tour was like, and his relationship with social media as an artist. Plus, he turned the mic around on me a couple times to ask how my new chapter is going. So as such, no coda today, because we went pretty long. Lastly, if you like the show, would you take a minute to rate and review us wherever you're listening? Maybe post or engage with the show on social? Every little bit helps. Okay, here's my conversation with Eric Radloff, also known as Oku Doxage. So... I am a musician living in Los Angeles. I went to school at USC, University of Southern California, in 2009, and I've lived out here since then. And love it out here. My wife lives here with me, and I am a musician, songwriter, and teacher. I have my own solo artistic project, which is my main like songwriting outlet. I'll produce some of my friends. I'll do some studio work sometimes. I went on my biggest tour for the first time recently. That was very exciting. Yeah, I would describe myself as a musician and teacher living in LA. Yeah, I was going to ask if any of those labels kind of rise to the top for you. Like, I I think in my own career, I feel this too, which is like, I don't really want to be put in one box because I actually do a lot of different things. Sort of broad broadest broad sense is musician and teacher and then there's a lot of things that kind of fall into that is that right yes i would say i self-identify as a songwriter mostly to the irs i am mostly a piano teacher (laughs) (laughs) that makes sense and that's what we're all here for you've been doing this for a long time something that i know about you is 
you had this alternate career possibility of being a doctor. Yeah. And you were thinking about going pre-med. What would you go back and tell Eric Radloff from senior year back in Hutchinson? And what would he think of what you've done since then? Oh, my God. This life I'm living does feel like some alternate timeline that like I entered a cheat code to enter into. So yes, I was curious about entering medical school. I always loved music since, I don't know, since I was like seven or eight, loved plinking around on the piano and stuff. And just going to the University of Minnesota and getting a pre-med degree or whatever. And I was like, I'll do this. This seems like a, like a good thing to do. It sounded interesting. And my parents were actually the ones who were like, Eric, you really love music. You should pursue this. So it felt like I entered some alternate timeline where I went yeah. to LA and went to school. And I don't know. I'm really happy with how things have gone. So when I think about talking to myself almost half my life ago, I would say maybe learn some technical tools right now. Put a little more attention into learning stuff on the computer. Like editing and production kind of stuff? or Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah. I think but that would be it's very practical. That's great. <laughs> I love it. And what a gift to, at that time, have your parents being the one of saying like, don't do this quote unquote safe thing. I know becoming a doctor is very hard, but you've been great at it. Um, I don't know. But follow your passion. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that feels rare to me and like a gift. Yeah, it is. It's something the older I get, the more I'm like, wow, that's pretty amazing. And it's, yeah. it's the opposite of the classic story that you, you yeah. hear. I'm going to go do this whether you want me to or not, mom and dad. And I think it was difficult for me because I've always been really afraid of change. Um, it's something I've always struggled with. And I think for me to do something like this, to move away, like I never even left my hometown hardly until I graduated high school. It wasn't even like yeah. I left the state much. Or I never, I was just like kind of content with wherever I was. So um, I think I needed that push and that push was like yeah. a huge gift. So one thing that I think about a lot when it comes to artists and musicians and teachers even is I feel like I'm going to put myself in the general public right now. I think we just think that we know what it takes, right? Because like we have a relationship with the product and we listen to music and we, we see popular music stars and that kind of stuff. But what, what do we, the general public, get wrong about the life of a musician and artists more generally? Oh my. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and say, Joel, you are not one of the general public when it comes to music. You are a musician. I know this. Um, True. Uh, well, actually, to be honest, I mean, I am an artist and I, I like what I make and I feel confident in what I make. I went on tour recently with Will Joseph Cook and then Tessa Violet was the headliner and she's great. And then Days or May was the other opener and these people are working their ass off they have like their oh, what's the phrase the eye on the they have their eye on the prize they're doing yeah. they have a goal they're doing their thing so i feel mm -hmm. like it's easy you know sit on our phone like hear a song be like that song kind of stinks and 
whatever. Like, I, I don't like their song. That's easy. That like anyone can make a song like that. Whatever their style is weird. Like the amount of drive, a lot, regardless of whether or not you like the art that these people are making, I have so much respect for like the hustle and the drive. Mm. Like when I was on tour, I'm like, okay, I'm a songwriter, but seeing how these people are like, okay, I have to make this post here. I have to do this. I have to respond to this person here. Like there, it is like a 24 seven job. So I would say the general public, when it comes to artists, like regardless of what you think of, you name it or you name them. It's pretty amazing how these people got to where they are. If I were then to group myself in the, that to me, that's me saying like, okay, there are these artists up here who are like, I'm going to be a superstar. That's these people want that. Sure. For an artist like me, um, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's okay. Well, you're thinking that I'll just say it's interesting that you, I guess you said superstar in that. That makes sense. It, that to me doesn't feel like a thing that you're aspiring for. But as far as like working your butt off yeah. and having goals, I think of you as someone who has those things. But I guess they're, it's it's what the goals are. Is that what you would say differentiates you a little bit? I would say, um, to be honest, I have, I have been, I don't know how goal oriented I am. And maybe that's mm. something I would go back and tell 18 year old mm. Eric, like maybe... But I honestly, at this point, I've kind of accepted that. And I'm like, this is a, I like how you brought up like, Eric, what is something the general public doesn't understand about artists? And I was like, well, let me also put myself in the general public. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think I'm just being humble. I really think that the work ethic, the drive, the goals that a lot of these artists have to reach success is really amazing. I would say... I, I think this is a strength of mine. I am just compelled to write songs. I think of music yeah. a lot. I'll be, it's very easy for me to be inspired by something. And I think the goals that I have are like, hmm, I need to, I just need to finish this song this mm. week in the next couple of days. I need to finish it, work hard on it and make it. And I think that how I'm operating at this point. What I hear from that, like, and I, we'll talk about success in a minute, but like, aren't some of the best artists of our generation and past generations, like, if anything, I think they have more of a focus on the art itself rather than like where that particularly goes or what happens to it. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like it, in some ways it, to me, it seems like you just kind of have a singular focus on like, well, I just want to make this stuff. Yeah. That is what drives me. That's what my passion is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't think there's any one right answer, or one right path. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. But it's like, to, to me anyway, it doesn't seem um, like a negative for you to not be thinking as much about your social media posts or presence or to have very concrete two, three, four, five yeah. of your plans. It's like you have a very specific vision and art and inspiration that you want to get out there. And that's what your focus is. Am I wrong? No, I think, I think you're 100% right. Yeah. So great. Well, thanks for coming. This has been awesome. And I'll, I'll go finish my bagel now. No, I think you're right. 
I think you're right. And when we've talked about this in the past, I've been kind of hard on myself about not emphasizing social media, not emphasizing self-promotion and stuff like that. So yeah, I am goal-oriented in that like I have things that I want to make and mm-hmm. doggone it, I'm going to make them. No one's going to stop me from making yeah. it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just, I, again, for what it's worth, I should say I love your music. I, I love what you make. And to me, it always feels so specific and unique and different and like and intentional. Um. I think that's success in and of itself. I think that like to, to make the thing that you want to make and not have a label or somebody trying to make you make something you don't want to make. Yeah. I think that's success in and of itself, which leads me to. Thank you. Um, yeah, of course. I mean, I, I think, I think in any career and uh, life, the, the question of like, what is success or how do you know if you've made it? I think that's one that, um, we're all thinking about all the time. And I definitely have that question about you and about musicians and artists in general. To set that up, let me just list off a few stats and facts to set this question up, okay? I'm excited, yeah. Bear Attack, which was your first project that you started with some of your friends in college when you were at USC. <laughs> that project, which is no longer active, but a lot of people still have a relationship with that music. I just looked today. 45,000 monthly listeners for that band on Spotify. So that's just one streaming platform. Mm -hmm. On your most popular song, Carnivore, 5 million streams on that song. You guys got three of your tunes on Pretty Little Liars, the TV show. Mm -hmm. Uh, Under Oku Doxage, your most popular song, you've had 56,000 streams. And that's an independent project, so you don't have the backing of like a label or management company. Right. No. Uh, you, like you said, released three records. You've gone on a national tour with Will Joseph Cook. You have a robust piano studio. You've taught the children of people that a, that a lot of us would definitely recognize those names. You've got great press by Pitchfork. You make a living as a musician. Have you made it in the music world, Eric? <laughs> well, when you say it like that, I'm like... Yeah, sure. Yeah, I guess I guess so. I'm doing it. It's hard to not do the comparison game where you're like, yeah. oh, there's always that next rung above you. of, of, And it's always people you know, which is a great problem to have. Oh, someone I know is like really killing it, doing great in this particular thing. Yeah. And you compare yourself to that. And it's weird to like intellectually understand that that, will never end. doesn't matter. You know, that, that thing will always go on and on and on forever. So, um, I think in some, you know, honestly, some days I'm like, I'm really content and pleased with what I've done so far. And yeah, yes. There are some days where I'm like, Oh man, I haven't done anything. I haven't yeah. done anything worthwhile, you know? Um, and I kind of think that's a good thing to, yeah. I think there was a point when I was always hard on myself and being like, wow, I, I haven't done anything compared to all these other people or whatever. And that was unhealthy. But yeah, I think feeling good about what I've done, but knowing that there are still places to go and things to learn and ways to get better. Yeah. I think that's kind of where I am right now. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I would like to, I think, make more music with more people and produce more. So that is something I have my eye on. And that's a skill I've been working on, like producing on a computer and stuff by myself. Yeah. To kind of attain that. So I guess in a lot of ways, I'm like, yeah, like 18 year old me would be like, yo, that guy's doing a really good job. Like he's making a living in LA. He's making music. People listen to his yeah. music, his old band, which by the way, I have no idea. I have no idea. We never had that many people listen to our music when we existed. <laughs> it's just like, what? I have no idea. It's so strange. But that's, that's wild. It's that band thing. hasn't been together in how many years? Seven or seven years. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. Um, it's kind of fun. There's a, a platform called SoundCloud. And you can basically, a lot of these platforms will tell you like where people are listening to your music. And it seems like there are certain areas of the world that these songs are like just getting to the, mm. the backpack song in particular is one where I'm like, now it's over here. Now it's over. Now it's over here. People are listening to it. And you can see like people's names start like using, you start seeing Japanese characters start like listening to your songs or like so-and-so yeah. liked your song or you'll see like Arabic characters entering. You're like, Oh, interesting. Like a whole new world kind of, just started passing the song around. That's really meaningful. That's cool. I was going to say, we were joking before we started recording about how, like, just by the numbers, it seems like more people are listening to the, the project you're no longer actively involved in than your current project. <laughs> yeah, by a lot. <laughs> but, if, but, if, but if you think about it as like, yeah, like, like music that you spent a lot of time on with some really good friends and like you wrote, you co-wrote, all of the songs I think mm. but like music that you put out into the world as an artist years later after anyone is doing any active promotion is like resonating with people making people happy and like they're they're finding it like that's gotta feel good right yeah yeah it feels good but most of the time I forget that that's happening yeah <laughs> which well, is that's like... why you have me in your life to remind you <laughs> yeah no that feels good I mean a part of me I don't know how much Pretty Little Liars, the TV show, is still like being watched by the sure. next generation or whatever. Um, so I feel like that definitely helps yeah. as, as far as like an entry into the thing. Because I think yeah. young people, some young people still watch it. I, I don't know. I'm sure they do. It'd be interesting to see the um, Shazam data. I know like mm. I often discover new artists because I'm like, oh my God, this, this is amazing, right? And yeah, just, right. Yeah. Yeah, that would be cool. What about, like, for you, we've talked about how, like, if we were to draw a pie chart of your income, mm -hmm. the bulk of that is coming from teaching. Is that right? Yeah. So how, how do you think about the financial aspect of what you do and how you make a living in your profession, as well as, like, yeah, like, in a perfect world, would you be changing that pie chart? Do you like doing a bunch of different things? Do, you know, like, how, how do you think about the business and financial aspect of what you do and the fact that you do have multiple jobs kind of stitched together to make a life and sustain yourself and your family? Yeah, I've always enjoyed teaching. I don't know, like, if I never had to make money again, 
I think some part of me would still want to continue teaching just because it, mm. just because it feels good. I think I'm good. That's at, cool. Yeah. I think I'm good at it at this point. I really like that. There's an element of, would it be nice if the pie chart was a little more like the songs I write take up more space on that pie chart? That is definitely the goal. That is, that would be the dream. The way that my work schedule works right now is I teach a, most days for like four or five hours. And the value of that is I work hard on teaching and I get the money I need for the day. And then I have a lot of time. Hmm. And that time I have is, I don't know. I don't know how I'd evaluate it, but that time that yeah. I have, that is the hours I can spend working on my songs, practicing, basically just like developing skills and stuff, yeah. which next time someone calls me for a gig or something, which work as far as working that into the pie chart or the schedule there, it's yeah. some seasons I'm extremely busy and I need to cancel a bunch of lessons. I need to go on tour yeah. for a month and a half. Yeah. But like, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. When I'm not playing video games with my extra time, I think I'm using it pretty wisely and it helps me make a good impression next time I get called in to play on someone's album or something. So it's interesting. The amount of money I make right now, it's definitely like I can't go under it. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. there are certain times I, I usually will say yes to most things. If I'm not getting paid the same amount as I make when I'm teaching, yeah. sometimes at this point, I'll have to turn it down because yeah. as we haven't talked about yet on this podcast, my wife is having a baby, our baby next week and money, you need it to help your child be you know, supported and live a stress-free life as much as possible. So since you brought that up, how... As we sit here today, this this won't come out. Might come out in a week from today, okay. which is as of now um, potentially a big day in your life. How are you feeling, Eric, uh, about fatherhood and about having a kid, and especially how that impacts and maybe changes or recontextualizes your career? I am am so excited. I I mean this this is something that my wife and I. Jenna, we've always talked about this. We've always wanted to do this together. Felt like a good time. We're both in our early 30s. We have this nice apartment to ourselves. It's spacious enough in LA, which we're really fortunate to have. It's what it, uh, to be honest, it's one of those things where no matter no matter what happens, I know that um you know, my life is going to be forever changed and I'm going to be a significant amount of my brain power and work power and whatever. My whole life will be pointed towards raising this child as well as I can. And career wise, I really don't know what that means. I have been for the past six months or so, been really trying to like write as much music as possible on my own because a week from now I'm like, will I, when will I be able to do this again? You know? Yeah. So there's been a little bit of cram time leading up to that. And career wise, 
just like making money. I don't know. I've heard that for a lot of people, it's a huge motivator. Yeah. So, you know, I've never been one who's like really hustling too hard. I'm working on my skills. Like I work on getting better at things, but I'm not so much like networking. Maybe this is going to change my whole worldview, you know, like Hmm. motivate me. But I'm, I'm just kind of trusting that, you know, we plan pretty well for this. It's good. It's probably going to be kind of hard in a lot of ways, but I'm just trusting that we'll adjust. And honestly, I think it'll be in all ways, just like a really great thing. Yeah. I think I'm going to make better music. I think. Yeah. I'll work harder. Yeah. You guys are going to be amazing parents and I am really excited for you both. And I also, you just alluded to this. I'm, I'm curious how the stories that you tell in your music will change and evolve <laughs> and the, like the contents of your music. Yeah. Will, yeah. You'll like, I just think I don't have kids as you know, but I think when people do that just like changes a lot of their worldview and what they think about and what inspires them and all that kind of stuff. I'm anticipating it and I'm just looking forward to it. Yeah. It'll be, yeah, it'll definitely be a bit different. Yeah. So you mentioned a bit ago that you went on your, I think first like mega national tour yeah. or at least definitely like the kind of the biggest production scale thing definitely. you've done. How that was last fall. Yeah. Yeah. That was the end of August into the beginning of October. Yeah. How, how was that experience, especially in a world where as far as I understand, a lot of the economics of like being a musician these days, like playing live for people and going on tours often where people get the money. It's not from streams and like royalties from using that kind of stuff. I don't know. Like how was that experience overall? You already mentioned a little bit and does it change anything the way you think about how you do your craft going forward? Definitely a life changing experience to have that. Mm. It was something where I, I demanded or I asked for basically the amount of money I would get for if I was teaching, which is like my, mm. which my, I'm like, as long as you can pay me this amount, I'm down to go. Yeah. And from what I understand, the musicians who go, not, I'm not, there's a lot of opinions and there's a lot of differences in what people get paid when they go on tour as musicians. I was a, I was a musician in a band. I wasn't yeah. a performing you know, artist yeah but the artists who were like promoting themselves on this tour from what i understand and this is mostly how it goes like they're lucky if they break even mm. if you are not like a huge mega star going on tour yeah. you kind of hoping to break even and then like break into that next tier where you actually we're going on tour becomes very profitable yeah that is true. Going on tour, having that live experience, people aren't buying music. They're streaming it. Yeah. So you... so is it like a marketing vehicle then? Or is it like just a way to, to build the engagement with your audience and get, you know, like, yes. sorry, I'm making this conversation about business, but like it should... well, as, no, it as far as, as far as why artists that are in that tier that we're talking about yeah. do it, yeah. what, What's the motivation or, or why do it? It's it's exactly that. It is you're planting seeds for the next tour and then the next tour yeah. you're planting seeds for the next tour until and basically you're scaling up your production, you're scaling up the size of the venue you're going to and yeah. each time you're kind of leveling up and at a certain point 
every city you go to, instead of doing a hundred person venues, like 150, 200 venues next time, it's 400. So that means that you're getting twice as many people buying tickets, twice as many people buying merch, which is a huge deal. And then the next time you do that, you're getting people engaging with you on social media. And those are people who are more likely to stream your music, which even though it's not necessarily like the amount of money you'd make when people were buying CDs, it's still significant. Sure. Even though I know that's Spotify doesn't pay enough and all that stuff. Like you, people still do make a significant you amount still of money. Get, from yeah. 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 But thank you for helping kind of explain and contextualize that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very much a, yeah. It's connecting with your fans Yeah. to yeah, yeah, establish yeah. that kind of, not relationship, yeah. but you know, they feel more, I don't know, like you're, the artist becomes more part of like who they are and they love you more. So yeah. yeah. Just as far as like for you anyway, like live performing just generally, is there like a, a validation there that like, do you know, do you get equal validation and feelings from being in a studio and making music and just being on your own versus performing or what's the relationship between the different kind of ways that you show up as an artist? What is the less vulgar version of Mary F kill? (laughs) Because I've done this with some friends and we have talked about performing songwriting and recording, which one would you, what's it's like date, Sure. Why don't you rank them one to three? (laughs) (laughs) There there it is. I am a songwriter. I love songwriting. And then the recording of it and the performing of it, I would say are tied for second and third. Interesting. Um, Yeah. Okay. So they're all part of a balanced breakfast. I do need all of them. Um, Sure. It's interesting going on tour but then again since i identify as a songwriter if it's not my song being performed the part of me is like you know it could be like a beatles song whatever like i'm really just like playing music and making people happy and that feels great the ultimate gratification is like i'm singing my song yeah yeah, people are singing along nothing better than that that's the ultimate but yeah there i mean there's definitely some part of me where rocking out playing guitar dancing yeah. around on stage hearing the applause yeah 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 it feels it feels great but yeah there was and there are a couple songs that i helped will joseph cook write so we performed those i'm like it feels a little different because i'm like yeah, oh, yeah there's like an extra you're like i did this i had a hand in this it, yeah 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 so it feels like people are clapping for me a little more on those songs yeah even though they don't know that, but I'm like, yeah, oh, shucks. but yeah, no, I mean, that's it. It's seasons, I guess. Like as soon as I got back from the tour, um, there's a kind of a post tour depression that people talked mm-hmm. about. And it's, uh, it's kind of like summer camp. Did you go to summer mm-hmm. camp? Oh yeah. So, with summer camp, you have built in socialization all the time you're surrounded by people you sleep in cabins and bunks with people all the time you're eating with people all the time you make fast friendships just by sheer proximity 
Like you're yeah. constantly around these people. And then suddenly the bus come or your parents can pick you up and you go home. And then for the first time in however long you're like, I'm just sitting in my room maybe or whatever. So there was like sort of like a social withdrawal I had at the end of tour that I had to adjust to. And I was like, man, this was, this is tough. So all the touring and performing and playing and, and the applause and hanging out with fans and stuff, really amazing. As soon as I got back and, and had to readjust to my normal quote unquote life, I got back into songwriting and I was like, Oh, I really missed this. I really mm. missed this part of it. Um, you weren't writing a ton on the road. I still had, cause it was still inspiring. It was super inspiring. Just didn't have the amount of time to yeah. sit down. I didn't like the computer I usually use or the piano yeah. I usually use. And honestly, there just wasn't that much silence. <laughs> sure. Which I need. Yeah. Something you mentioned a couple times and we've talked about tour before that you like with Tessa and with Will, especially you definitely saw like, Oh wow. A lot of what they're doing in the off time is like social media basically. Right. Oh, yeah. It's like creating content specifically for social. And we talked a little bit earlier that you have, I think, in some ways kind of like resisted that or that, I don't know if it doesn't come naturally to you or that's just like, yeah. You're on social, you you know, people engage with you and can follow you, but um, your eyes were just kind of open. Can you talk just a little bit about that as well as, yeah, like now with the benefit of hindsight, you've had a long career, you you have seen how other artists are incorporating using social. I don't know. How, how are you thinking about it going forward? It has been a slow burn for me that I'm like slowly coming around to, which is kind of a theme in my life, the slow burn. And I remember talking to you because you're one of the first people I knew personally who was like, oh yeah, social media is obviously here to stay. It's part of the mm. future. It's super important. It's really valuable. Obviously has some issues and some downsides. But yeah, I think witnessing that on tour, seeing how people engage with, seeing how these artists engage with fans, how they think like, oh, this would be a good thing to post. Kind of like capturing moments. Like, oh, that yeah. that was kind of funny. Not necessarily let's recreate that, but they're like, oh, oh, this looks cool. Like, let's capture it. I thought that was really, I thought that was really valuable to kind of learn. So now kind of walking around and it's sort of like, I'm trying to incorporate it in the way I think of songs. Like if I hear like a weird noise, sometimes I'll pull up my phone and be like, oh, that vent had this weird low like hum, like, <clears throat> and I'll go and like record it. I hardly ever use those things. I'm listening for like interesting sounds and stuff sometimes or like, oh, that yeah. horn had like a meep, 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 meep. And I'll like record that. Um, yeah. I think I'm looking at social media a little bit more like that. Like what's like a cool, Oh, I'm out in the world. I'm not constantly like, where can I, where can I find the thing that will become viral? But I'm just sort of like, Oh, that was, that was a funny moment. Um, or that, that's kind of like a funny idea. Let me capture it really quick. And yeah. then maybe I'll share it later. And if I think it's funny and cool, then people I get along with will also probably think it's funny. Cool. Yeah. So that's kind of how I'm operating with it. Um, 
at this point. And that was a really cool adjustment. And I'm still yeah. kind of slowly get, getting used to that. Yeah. It, it's, it's interesting to me that, like, I think especially for musicians, whether you have a label or not, but also for a lot of professions, for actors and actresses, I think for even in kind of the world of corporate, like it is just becoming this like for small businesses. I've seen this meme oh, yeah. going on TikTok. It's just, just like <laughs> you need to be a content creator in addition to this, <laughs> this sort of profession. And honestly, I don't I have complicated feelings about that, I think. Right. As with all things social media, I think there's some amazing parts about that. You you can build this relationship with your audience <laughs> directly. Yeah. Um yeah, but it's just like it's, there's so many responsibilities put on top of you that it's like, well, I can't do all of these things. Right. I guess, um, and and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but am I right? You, you are an independent artist. You're not signed to a particular label or management company. Correct. Correct. Okay. So so how? Yeah. How you and and your peers and your friends like, uh, back in the day. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that was kind of the goal right is like you, mm -hmm. you you get signed up to a label and then they take care of a lot of those things right, right. distribution and marketing and development and all that kind of stuff right. i know a lot of that has changed in many ways and it is more viable to be an independent artist how how are you thinking about that how generally has that experience been for you and going forward how do you think about it so so far in my life i have successfully kept all managers and record labels away from me yeah that is a joke because i for a long time, I was like, why don't they like me? So, and so Will specifically, I learned this from him. He was signed to a major label. And I think there were these deals called development deals where they're like, this person has a lot of potential. Let's, you know, they're young, they look cool, they have good songs. Let's build them up and then promote them. The model now is sort of like to have these people already built up their own identity and audience online. Can we scale that? Can we see like, oh, let's yeah. just take what they are already doing that clearly is successfully working with this kind of niche audience. Yeah. And we'll use all our promotional tools and money to. Uh, take them to like the next yeah. level. Yeah. Yeah. And cast that, cast as many fishing lines as possible all around the world and gather that same audience all around the world, which I think makes a lot of sense. I but that's, yeah, that's just how it is. I think the thing with a major label, and I think this was always the case, if you aren't like a self-motivated artist doing your own stuff in the first place, it's not like the label's going to do all the heavy lifting for you. You yeah. have to, you still have to do all that heavy lifting. Mm -hmm. And then they just kind of do like the, I don't know, they do the ex yeah. the that little extra push that can sometimes multiply what you're doing by a thousand or so at this point in my life, I, my head isn't even thinking about labels or whatever. I'm just like, I'm doing my thing. Uh, I like what I'm doing. If somehow it catches on at any point, it'll just be because I'm doing what I like to do. And therefore yeah. I won't necessarily need to keep doing something I don't want to do. I don't know. Yeah. Just not really thinking about it. Yeah. I mean, that, that seems good. And also... It, like some of the upsides you have like full control mm -hmm. full ownership right like yeah that must be nice too of like not really having people tell you what to do yeah it's true and i think i would 
probably be, I probably have a hard time having a boss, to be honest, mm. at this point, <laughs> because I'm so used to just yeah. doing this. Developing your your own because to me I'm like I have to have healthy habits I have like the schedule I have like some small small term goals otherwise self employed don't have a boss I might just play yeah. Mario Kart all day yeah how are you how are you handling that? do you have do you have your own internal routine not yet I hope to, like I I I would like one I so I'm I'm new on this journey as you know. And I think right now I'm kind of just taking it one day at a time and trying my best to, at the very least, like maintain some sense of a normal routine or like a, Hey, like every morning you've, you've got your to-do list, you've got your emails, right? Mm -hmm. Sort of like Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm continuing, I guess, a lot of the habits and routine that I developed in my corporate life. Um, but no, a lot, to be honest, I've got great mentors and friends who are, you know, giving me good ideas and I'm learning as much as I can, but I, I definitely am figuring out a lot of it as I go. I don't have like a, you know, I, I like monetarily actually I've got like one specific goal, which is just to like match the salary that I was at. What's like, feels like a pretty good goal. But other than that, at this moment in time, there aren't really concrete milestones and, and the other thing too, like I'm, I am looking at this as a one-year experiment. Mm. Um, I'm not, I am not telling myself this is me for the rest of my life. Mm. I am saying this felt like a great moment in time to try this. And a year feels like a good amount of time to me to give it that try. So like if companies come knocking on my door to say like, Hey, would you consider a full-time position? I'm not saying I wouldn't take that conversation. Yeah, right. um, everyone I'm, I am <laughs> available, but, um, <laughs> but no, I like, I, I really want to give it that full year, but then at the end of it and, you know, I'll obviously learn as I go, but see if it, if it is right or not. And, par- and there's a lot of factors for that for me, right? Like, um, I am a social and collaborative person. I think I do my best work when I'm working with others and, you know, I'll be working with clients and partners and that kind of stuff, but it's very different than, you know, I've literally kind of been attached to one place that turned into three places for the past 11 years. So there's a lot of question marks I have, some of them financial, some otherwise about like, if this will be the right step for me for not. So does that answer your question? Oh yeah. I, I haven't heard you explain it. I haven't heard you describe it as an experiment. But yeah. I think that's really, it leaves the pressure off. And it, yeah. you don't need to close a door. Like you're young and you're trying something out. Like I didn't, I guess I didn't think about it like that. Yeah, because um, for me, you know, some some people with like for great reasons, do spend a lot of time in a corporation and they're like very intentionally planning. Okay. At some point I want to be my own boss. And that, that wasn't, um, 
it wasn't in the cards for me. That wasn't something I've been planning for a long time. It's just kind of like this, this, this window of opportunity kind of came up and I said like, now feels like a great time to try that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think some, yeah, some factors in my life, including the pandemic for one, I think that helped me realize that, uh, I could sort of just be at home every day and that could be fine. And I could sort of rebuild my professional social network in different ways. Like, Mm. I think that was a little bit of a trial run for this new chapter, just in terms of the, like the mechanics and the, um, the social aspects and that kind of stuff. So was that when like the thought first entered your mind or did you see someone, did you see any peers do this before you? And you're like, Oh, interesting. Yeah, I'm very lucky that one friend who's who former colleague who left Thompson Reuters in 2018, uh, shout out Casey Hall, he as well as a handful of others, like they have been going down this path. And so just by nature of staying in touch with them and being their friend, both for years, I've just been able to be like, how's it going? Do you like it? Is this fun? What do you charge people? Mm-hmm. Is it hard? Is it great? Is it the worst? Right? Like, just to kind of get a sense for it. And I think that that relationship, those friendships. Um, yeah, there wasn't a particular seed planted. I think it was just like it, it helps to um, demystify it a little bit and to put some real tangibles around like, well, here's how you do this. And here's how to set up analysis. It's just like all, all yeah, right. like take away some of that fear and the mental load of like, how do I do this? Is this even possible? Is this a real thing? Right. And so I think that, uh, Nikki Spencer, who, you know, is another person yeah. in my life who, who, uh, she just like, yeah, I can do like, she, she has such amazing, um, confidence in her skill sets and her abilities and just like wakes up and like, I'm going to do a thing. And so definitely having people in my life who have done it and kind of paved the way is a big part of, I think for me being like, Oh, I, I can, I'll give that a try. Like it seems. Yeah. I man, you're turning this into your podcast now, but <laughs> the other thing too, that I kind of forget about, but is probably one of those underneath the surface is, my dad left his corporate job when I was in like third grade and worked for himself oh, there, like started a small thing. And so, and worked from home too, like before, before um, <laughs> that was a real thing, right? Like, oh, I guess in some ways too, that kind of normalized yeah. that that is a viable option, not in the same industry as me, but um, yeah, I think, I think that probably helped too. Have you talked to him about what you're doing. Oh yeah. A lot of relevant, uh, whatever. Yeah. The there's my, my, my dad and my brother and I in particular, we all, I think talk a fair amount about career stuff and, uh, yeah, just, just all the big questions that sort of go along with that. Um, and, I was just on a little hike with my dad yesterday and we talked a lot about it and he's, he's given me great advice as well. Very cool. Dad, if you're listening, thank you. Yeah. I feel like just you talking about like, you're getting advice from other people. You're t- I am turning this into my podcast, aren't I? That's okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, yes. Okay. Um, just you talking about like, you know, your, your friend Casey, you probably talked to about advice. you dad nikki um it sounds like uh i can't think of the word analogous it's it's 
it's just as similar to like I'm a you know I'm a self-employed musician and I know a lot of other self-employed musicians and yeah. we can all kind of individually get together and collaborate when we want to which is what happens yeah. a lot or I'll be like hey yeah. what do you think of this chord progression or what yeah. what do you think of this song or whatever it almost feels like all of us like I don't know if I'd call myself an entrepreneur but like all of us kind of self-employed people almost make up our own for sure are it's like a community in that way it kind of feels like not our own you know yeah it's like it is a community and even though we're self-employed it doesn't mean that we're alone at all yeah it's almost just i like think a, that i don't know it's yeah i think that's like vital and i'm sure there are people out there who figure out entirely on their own but definitely for me and for a lot of people I know, it's like you, you just so heavily rely on um, people and trusted mentors and collaborators and friends just to like help each other along. And I think there's a really cool aspect of that. I've got a couple more questions for you. Yeah. One is, I remember I, I asked you once, like, how many groups or projects are you in currently? And you couldn't give me a number off the top of your head because you were in so many. Yeah. Uh, I'm just curious, how do you... Th- you mentioned like a goal of yours is to do more collaborations over time, but how, how do you like, how do you think about that? You, if you go to your Spotify, you appear on a lot of people's stuff. You, you collaborate. You were just on our good friend, Mike's album, mm-hmm. which is really good. Um, which you were also. I was, that's true. I was just listening uh, before this to Nick's album, which you're on. Mm-hmm. How do you, it seems like at least part of it is like friendship circles, but I'm, oh, yeah. yeah. How do you make decisions about like, when and how to collaborate and those kinds of decisions. We talked about this a little bit earlier, but how much of it comes into play of like, Oh, this would be fun. Or I think I would get artistic validation out of this or whatever versus like Mm -hmm. money or business decisions and that kind of stuff. How do you, how do you make decisions? Yeah, I would say I don't, I really don't think strategically business-wise about any of them i mostly just say yes because people are my friends and i'm like oh yeah we've been making music for years let's do this that sounds fun it's mostly like a why not kind of thing and yeah it's just fun it's something that i just kind of do one day and sort of like with the bear attack stuff it's like it's fun to be able to make a song with someone who asked me to do something with them and yeah uh just it'll be there forever you know it's cool like who knows what will happen with it yeah i i think very rarely would saying yes to a situation like that be a bad business decision it's just sort of like Mm. yeah more more stuff more collaborating more learning yeah more stuff that i'm a part of out there i I think that's a very cool aspect of the artistic and music community that people are just like, yeah, let's do it. You know, like you just kind of say yes to stuff. It seems, it seems like kind of what most people are like. And I think that's really cool. Kind of no matter what tier you're on. Like yeah. there's some people um, I work with where I'm like, I can't believe that you said that you're down for this, but mm. yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's a LA thing or if that's a musician thing or what. Well, but. I was I was going to ask, especially as a lot of professions have very intentionally gone distributed and you can be anywhere in the world mm-hmm. and you can like, I, I know there's at least some aspects of 
that in the music world, but like how important is it now and in the future to be in LA, mm-hmm. especially for maybe people listening to, you know, I think LA is this like quintessential dream for a lot of artists, whether you're a musician or an actor, I'm going to go move to LA and do the thing in your experience. How true has that been of being able to drive over to someone's house or studio or, or whatever, as opposed to people who maybe want to stay in, in their own community. I was thinking about this the other day. I mean, okay. It's here's, here's an example. I was in between teaching students the other day, like last week, and I brought my guitar along so I could sit in the, in this nice park in this neighborhood and just kind of strum along. And then there's this guy who just comes walking by with his like three-year-old daughter and they're just like looking at the water and I'm just strumming chords and he comes over and he's like, Oh, sounds great. You know, just, and then it turns out he's a musician. He's a producer who lives over where I was. He's like, uh, we start talking about chords. We, he's like, Oh, and like, it becomes apparent that we both know music theory pretty well. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Oh, that's cool. And I'm like writing down what he's talking about. Now we follow each other on Instagram. I have his phone number. Cool. Yeah. That's something that, but I think some things like that can happen really in any city. I think LA is maybe a little, I mean, maybe significantly, I don't know, but there's a lot of artists who come here because because there are artists here, which means more yeah. artists come here. So, yeah, yeah. So I think that is cool. I think that's more likely to happen here or in New York City than if you were in, I, I don't know. Minneapolis. But that would happen in Minneapolis, you know? So you're saying you're going to move to, I'm just going to get into that in this podcast. <laughs> that wouldn't, it wouldn't um, be the end of the world, you know? Like, I, it really could... <laughs> It really would be, I think it can kind of, I think it could kind of happen anywhere. Something that is cool about LA specifically though, is I think there is a higher percentage of people here who are artists or artists minded. So even when I'm walking around, I see the way people dress. Everyone has their own way of dressing. I like a lot of interesting food because there's so many cultures that kind of collide here and create whole new ways of cooking and stuff so yeah and as far as like there so again my friend will joseph cook we've collaborated a lot online which is great so in some sense like you don't need to be you don't need to physically live somewhere to have a good impression on someone you can like hear each other online email reach out collaborate but then there is a point where it's like maybe we should meet up in person Yes, yeah. and then and then if you have the resources, you can, and the time, you can meet up and do something yeah. in person. So that's that's kind of cool about, you know, where you live, probably matters quite a bit less than it used to. Yeah, but it is really nice having the physical proximity of yeah knowing a bunch of like really cool artists that I can go and play in real time and have conversations with in person. Yeah. What can we expect from Okudoxage and Eric Radloff in the weeks, months, and or years to come? What should we be looking out for? Maybe a tour at some point? Maybe a fourth album? What What's going on? Definitely an album. Do you know what's kind of sad? 
I have not played a, sh- a personal Okudoxage show since putting out my last album. <laughs> There's been nothing. Wow. I know. I know. And in fact, it's more likely that I'll put out another album sooner than I will play another show. Then you'll do a double header. Then I'll do a double header, a double release show. I think I should do that. So, yes, I have, I'm about to have a child in my life. So probably for the next couple of months, might be a little quiet. That. Might be a little yeah, quiet. Fair. But I just finished a new song a couple days ago, and I'm excited about that one. Um, and then I have like a whole bunch of songs I've been working on. I'm thinking new album by the end of the year. Just I'm excited. Just gonna throw it out. I can't wait to hear it whenever I get to. Eric, I think we've covered a lot of ground, and I do have a rapid-fire round for you if you have a minute. Oh, baby. But before that, is there anything I forgot to ask you? I think we should um, I think we should address my band name. Fair. Yeah? So what's the, what's the meaning of okudoxage? Okudoxage, to strictly answer your question, has no meaning. But what it comes from is I was playing this video game called Persona 4 in college, and I uh, was asked to create my character name. And this is a very long video game. So whatever you name your character, you're going to see it a lot. And yeah. I was like, I'm going to make the most bizarre looking name I can think of. And I just came up with Okudoxage. And over time, over the course of the game, I was like, mm, this kind of grew on me. And then I used... Wait, you, you, you just pulled it from thin air? Yeah. You just put letters together? I just put letters together. Every letter, I was like, Ooh. what would be a very strange letter to put after this next one? And oh, I think I've had the origin story wrong. I, th- I think in my mind, I thought it was the name of a character from a video game. It's, but, it's, I mean, which, which it is true, but I did not know you actually developed it. Yeah, I developed it myself. It, Yeah, that's it. And then I, I used it as my, my screen name online mm. for a little bit. Mm. And then... Eventually, Bear Attack broke up, and I was like, that seems like a natural band name for me. Yeah. And if people can remember how to spell it, then they can find me. And if they can't, then... I've had multiple people tell me, that's a terrible name. You you need to change it. And and what do you say to that? Or what do you... I say, I think it's funny. And it makes me laugh. So I like it. Two things. One thing I will say, though, is... um, and I, by the way, for anyone listening, if anyone's still listening this late in the game, I I definitely encourage you to um, check out Eric because if there's one thing about Eric and Okudoxage is you are completely yourself and it is in many ways unlike anything you've heard and it is beautiful and is unique and it is good writing and it is, you've got amazing music videos and it's very, I think first... It, I'll, I'll speak for myself from somebody who follow you from bear attack to Okudoxage, especially the first album. It was a little bit jolting because I, I think um, I hope this doesn't come off as, as a criticism. I think Okudoxage is slightly less accessible in some ways mm-hmm. in that it, for me anyway, this is my experience and that's all I can talk to. It took me a few listens to, I think, quote unquote get it and then like really love it and develop a relationship with it whereas like bear attack i could just like roll down the street and sure. wrestle some tunes and that kind of stuff right yeah but 
I think that the name that you chose is aligned with who you are and just following whatever your creative vision is, whatever it is, and being completely and authentically yourself. And I think that's an amazing thing. And just point number two is the name of my business, which I don't know if I'm revealing on this episode or not, is a little bit similar. You, you can spell it and it's easier to discover. But when people ask me about it, do you know the name of my business? Uh -huh. Okay, we'll see if I keep this in or not, but it's Shrug Content. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course, and, of course. Yes, yes. Uh, a lot of people are like, that's a dumb name. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, I think it's funny. And I chose it pretty quickly. And I don't think you need a ton more reasons than that. You know, like I, my friends who like work in brand are probably like tearing their hair out right now <laughs> for listening to this. Um, I love it, but I don't know. I, I think sometimes you can just name something to name something and it doesn't have to be more complicated than that. I, I love that name. And I think it is you. you. And I thought you have one up on my name in that you can say it to someone once and they'll be like, Oh, I know what words you just said. <laughs> um, do you want to do rapid fire? I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. I'm, I'm stoked. Okay. What is the best career advice you've ever received or alternate worst career advice you've ever received your choice oh man you can also fire. do you know what i think of i think of all these horrible exchanges i had when i was i, I interned at warner brothers uh oh, records yeah. for a summer and i hated it and basically <laughs> Everything I was around there was very, it was just very, I don't know how to describe it, very record label. And I did yeah. not belong there. And almost everything anybody said while I was there, I am like, I hate what you just said. And yeah. that is all, has all informed me to not be a part of that world. Yeah. And I that feel okay with that being out in the universe. I'm okay with that. Okay. Sounds good. So I don't know um, specific. <laughs> no, that's I, this is helpful. Um, who are you listening to right now that you're excited about? I really love Mitski. She's like mm. one of my favorites. I love Muna. Um, mm. My friends are in that band and they're fantastic. Um, there's this band Snail Mail, who I think is really, really awesome. Um, and I, what did I go back? Oh, I was listening to Nick Drake, who's, uh, uh, he rest in peace, Nick Drake from the seventies English singer songwriter. I was just recently revisiting mm. his music, which was pretty cool. And I, uh, have been listening to a CD of a Requiem by Gabrielle Foray that I have been obsessed with hmm. for the past month or so. Okay. I'll plug those in the show notes. Um, do you have a f one favorite song that you've written? There's this new one that isn't out yet that I'm like this. I think this is really, really good. Yeah. That is the new song that is yet to be released is. That's probably my favorite the, one that you've ever written. As of right now, it, the new ones are Does always it have a name? Anything, anytime, anywhere, which sounds a lot like everything, everywhere, everything, everywhere, all, all at once. once. Yes. Um, uh, but what about a favorite of one that's out that people can listen to right now? Um, this is always changing. 
Let me go. I really love, and it didn't get, my Okudoxage music isn't like huge or anything, but not many people, I don't think, really cared for this song called I Think We Could Do It, which is Great. the second song on my new, newest album, Wear Me Like yeah. a Glove. And I think that one's really cool and I worked really hard on it. It's just kind of wild. The, the beat of it is really strange. So. Yeah, I have a lot of favorites, but I think Who Knocks is probably my favorite mm. one that you've ever written. And also, still love uh, one of the top comments on one of your your videos, the that, that trio of songs you released with the music video. Yeah, yep. First comment on there says, I could listen to Who Knocks on repeat forever. So oh. I agree with that person. Who's an underrated artist, big picture, that we don't give enough credit to? Mm. Mm, the Beatles. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> I do love the Beatles, though. Um, let me think. There is a friend of mine named Lou Roy, who I think is really great, and I played mm. on her album um, called Pure Chaos, and that one was really good. And then, mm. yeah, I'm just going to leave that. Go check out Lou Roy. I think it's really good. I like it. Okay, uh, this or that? Producing or performing? Producing. Enya or Radiohead? Oh, Joel Lehman. Um, uh, I have to say Radiohead. Pick up basketball or Mario Kart? Oh, basketball. Uh, Eric with long hair or Eric with short hair? Eric with long hair. I'm bringing it back right now. I like it. Um, <laughs> Eric Radloff, also known as Oku Doxage. I just want to say thank you so much for joining me. I'll leave you with one more comment that I picked up today from, I think you're either Bandcamp or SoundCloud. Somebody said, this is the best songwriter around today. Can do no wrong. I wish the rest of the world would catch up. Wow. Eric, thanks for joining Connection Request. Thank you, Joel. It has been a good time. Lighter than air and so pretty it But I don't belong in that heaven. That is it for today's episode of Connection Request. If you're not already following the show, go ahead and hit follow wherever you're listening to this right now. While you're at it, go check out Eric's music too. You can listen to his latest album, Wear Me Like a Glove, most places you listen to music. Please send music recommendations, baby names, as well as feedback and questions to connect at shrugcontent.com. That is connect at shrugcontent.com. If social is more your style, I'm down. Hit me up on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram or follow the show on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Until next time, be well, and thanks for listening.
We belong together, cause I'm a lot like you, and you're a lot like me.